Welcome to the Louis Talks podcast. So we are still in amongst COVID-19 and although a couple of days ago we had an announcement where things were going to be relaxed slightly, as those of you watching will be able to tell, I still haven't been able to get to a barber's to get my hair and beard trimmed. I have no idea when that's actually going to happen and more and more my clients are making fun of me every week saying that I look more and more wild. So hopefully I'll be able to get some form of cut and trim soon. But on to the podcast for this week. So the last episode I interviewed Tamsin Fox Davies and I met my next podcast guest actually through Tamsin. We were sitting in St Pancras Station talking about business and agility and branding and marketing and just setting the world to rights and she pulled out a book from her bag and said you have to buy this because you're going to love it. I'm not going to give you my only copy but you need to buy one. And that book was The Little Book of Colour, written by Karen Haller. Um, it's an absolutely fantastic read. It's got a huge amount of information about the history of colour, uses in different cultures, and of course, colour psychology, which is the main theme of this book. Now, I've known about colour psychology for a long time. I've heard about different brands, restaurants, five-star hotels using colour to affect emotional states, both physical sites, so using colour on, on the walls or as the decor to change the way that people perceive a brand or a space, the way that they interact with it emotionally, or even through collateral and websites, using certain colours to increase the time spent on websites or increase the emotional um, leverage of that information but actually there's not that much information out there online you really have to dig through the internet and you really have to research hard to find much information on color so of course when Tamsin pulled this book out I really thought wow this is exactly what I have been looking for and she then said well actually Karen who's a friend of mine is going to come and meet me in about 20 minutes. So I waited, I met Karen, we had a really good chat in there and then I said, please, please, please come on to my podcast. So she very kindly sent me a book. I read it within about a couple of hours, I think, literally glued to the book and then I interviewed her um, just after that. So I am so excited to be putting this podcast up finally. I know that there's lots and lots of clients and customers and friends who are going to really, really enjoy this one. So Karen and I get deep into the discussion of what colour psychology is, how you can use it in business, what it means for you personally, how it can affect personal brands, confidence. I mean, there's a huge amount of information in this and I think when you really think about it colour for most of us is in our everyday lives it's one of those things that surrounds us 24-7 365 days of the year but not a lot of us actually understand the role of colour and I see this as a really fundamental mistake that a lot of brands make a lot of companies even some of the biggest companies out there they are actually using colour schemes that reduce the impact of their websites, their collateral, their brands and actually not only are they reducing the impact but actually the overuse of certain colours when used incorrectly within colour psychology can actually push your customers away and increase bounce rates and, and reduce the amount of people that actually will engage with your company 
even to begin with. Colour psychology is one of those things that happens in a split second when somebody looks at a website or a piece of packaging or whatever it might be. So I think anybody who has any sort of business really needs to understand the role of colour psychology. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that everyone needs to become an expert, but at least understand the impacts that colour can make on your business, your brand, and the impact that you want to create with your customer. So please enjoy this fabulous podcast. I'm so grateful for Karen to come on and explain more about this incredible subject and I really want to get her back on in the future to just delve into a little bit more detail. Um, again, as I said before, I would absolutely love to hear from any and all of you with questions, suggestions or guests that you'd like to see on the podcast. Um, I hope everyone is staying well and safe in amongst this COVID situation that we're in. And um, again, thank you so much for listening. Please enjoy this interview. Hi, good morning, Karen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Um, so to start off with, obviously, I've got your wonderful book right next to me. And um, I've been so looking forward to getting you on the podcast. So oh, for those you. of the listeners out there uh, or watchers who don't know, uh, obviously, about you and your story, um, if you could just tell them a little bit about what you do and how you got into colour psychology. Yeah, so um, before we start, I was saying to you that my journey is actually quite long. So I'm, I'm going to try and do an abridged version, but I, I never, I never do it. I never do it, uh, do, do it that well. But here goes. So um, I think as we're kids, uh, we all, we all love colour. You know, children love colour from from the minute they can, you know, pick up something and their their crayons and 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 paints and things and and I've always been someone who has loved who has loved colour and and loved drawing and and uh, and painting and I was really one of these thing you know finger painting kind of girls and um, in my teens I was very good at sport so I did a lot of I did a lot of sport but in my other free time I did every arts and crafts that I could get my hands on so and then soon as I would learn something so I'd learn how to do macrame I'd learn how to do knitting I'd learn how to do folk art painting decoupage whatever it is I would do it for maybe six months eight months I would learn how to do it and then I would always say oh this isn't it now I never never knew what this isn't it meant but looking back I realized I was always saying this and I also didn't realize that there was something that was a common thread through everything I was doing. And I, even though I loved color as a child, I didn't realize or even notice this common thread through everything. But I kept on saying, this isn't it, you know, and, I, and I'd make my own clothes and obviously pick my own fabrics and colors and everything, but it, it never dawned on me what it was. Then when I left school, I just fell into IT, project managing and business analyst, because a, it offered the most money and I knew it would give me a chance to go and travel overseas. And that was my real big, big love was traveling. And I'd done so much traveling as a, as a kid and as a teenager. And then um, I, when I came back, I studied fashion design and I thought, oh, this is it. This is it. This is really what I want to do. But I was doing this at night while I was doing all my project managing during the day. And then I realized when I'd finished the um, fashion design and, and pattern making, I thought, oh, this is actually a really ruthless industry and I'm not, I'm not tough enough. And um, then I went and did um, millinery, which is, you know, hat making. 
And I did the first course and I thought, oh my God, I love this. And I went on to do the advanced course and I went, that's it. I found, I found what I want to do. And because it was always this, you know, it, this isn't it, this isn't it. And, and this is, this is, this is now it. And I remember when I was in a call in the, um, the evening class and I was making this blue, uh, like a teal duck egg blue felt hat. I just blocked the hat and I was putting chocolate brown ribbons and big uh, chocolate brown feathers. And out of nowhere, I just said, oh, my God, it's colour, right? It just came out of nowhere. And I just thought, oh, God, what does that mean? And everyone in the class goes, what are you talking about? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't even know where that came from. But me being me, I went off. And so when I finished the millinery course, I went off and I, I went to uh, the Sydney, it was called the Sydney School of Colour and Design at the time. And I signed up for a year-long colour course, not even knowing what the course was about, not knowing why I even, you know, what even its colour meant. And it was during this course, and it was a whole year on the colour wheel, which, you know, probably doesn't sound very nice, but I pretty much understood the colour wheel within the first, <laughs> the first lesson or so. But what I realised I started asking was, well, why is it that I like this shade of red and not that red? Why is it that like, why is it that I liked yellow yesterday, but I don't like it today? Why is it that my fellow students, we all like different, the different versions of the same colour? Why is it that this one makes me feel happy, but another one, I don't even, I can't even look at it. So it's all of these kind of questions. And a lot of them went, una went unanswered because I didn't know what I was asking for. I don't think the teachers did. And mainly because in retrospect, it wasn't what the teachers were teaching me. They were teaching me traditional color theory. So after I finished that year, um, I went off traveling again. And then every time I saw a course on color, like a weekend course or some sort of course, I would join the course only to find that my questions weren't being answered. So um, then when I was back in the UK, I saw yet another weekend course on colour and I thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. So off I went and did it. And I asked this particular lady, I must have asked her a hundred questions, if not more, and she could answer every single one of them. And I thought, oh my God, I have found what I've been looking for for years and years and years. And I didn't even know it had a name and it had a name, it was colour psychology. So I was searching for something that I didn't even know existed and I didn't know what it was called. So then I went and spent a year learning from, uh, her name is Angela Wright. Um, she's the leading UK colour psychologist. And I spent a year learning under her. And I, to say that I drove her nuts with all my questions is an understatement. And then, I, cause I found, I really, I found what I really wanted. So what I was able to do is, um, and you know, to cut, try and cut a long story short, but I'd studied child psychology as well. I'd studied interior design. I had my business background as a business analyst. So I then decided, well, what was I, what was I going to do with all these things? So I, I then decided that I was going to bring them all together because quite often we feel that we're going off on all these weird tangents and nothing links. And I was thinking, why am I doing color psychology, child psychology? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And I thought, oh, it will all come together. And once I did the color psychology course or the applied color psychology, then I realized and saw, yes, everything comes together. And so that is then what I decided then to start a business in this. And that's kind of trying to do a very short version of my, <laughs> of my journey. So it was, 
it was the road less traveled. It was not linear. It was, you know, all over the place. Like when I say I got there, I didn't even know where there was, but clearly because I'm very tenacious and I'm very uh, determined and I just kept trusting myself and trusting that, that this would all lead to somewhere and, 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 and it has. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what a journey. It I, was. I, I think it, it's always, I always find it really fascinating that a lot of people I interview, um, it, there is a real common thread to people who are very passionate about something. And it often is this real zigzagging course through oh, life right. where eventually you arrive at something and through all of this trial and tribulation, suddenly you discover this sort of deep passion. So yeah, yeah. from a passion into a business, how how did you turn colour psychology and everything else that you've done into a business and, and then sort of go out into the world and um, apply it and help others? Yeah, so when I decided to launch as a business, because I was still doing my IT work and, and I let that help me bridge over. So I think it was about 2006 or so. It was when the recession, just before the recession hit, I decided to go out and do a business in applied applied colour psychology and interiors. And then the recession hit. So not only did the recession hit, it dawned on me that no one knew what a colour psychology was. That was the biggest shock for me. And yes, anyone that's listening to this will go, well, you didn't do your homework. <laughs> you know, you didn't. But because I had such faith in what I was learning and in what the, my teacher had taught me, I just thought everybody knew. And even now when I teach, because I run my own um, teaching, you know, academy or teaching school now, every one of my students goes, why doesn't everyone know this? Like at some point, so I was the same. I thought everyone knew. And I was actually a bit cross with my teacher. I went back and said, why, why haven't you got this out of here? Why doesn't anyone know? So... So not only did no one know uh, what I did, and I used to get when I, when I used to say people, you know, what do you do? And I say color psychology. I used to get, without a lie, nine times out of ten, what the f is that? That's when I realised not only is it in a recession, no one's really, no one's interested in something they don't know about. But uh, I have to educate the market. So I probably spent a good four years writing blogs, talking about it, speaking to anyone who will listen. And in fact, in the back of the book, I actually say that, you know, it was actually Tamsin, um, the, who you've interviewed before, who was the one person that really had the belief in me. And because every time I would speak to anyone or try and get it out there, it would just come back on me. And it was like I was just talking into the wind. So I started out with interior design, a color psychology, applied color psychology, interior design, but then a lot of interior designers were saying, oh, we do what Karen does. So then I switched to um, colour and children because that's, you know, I've really got, obviously, with studying uh, child psychology, you know, a big part of my heart is in, is, is in that area. No money, no one's willing. They all want it, but no one no one wants to pay for it. Like, because like, I really wanted to get into schools and I really wanted, oops, sorry, just, I'm on one of these funny chairs that you lean on, that you sit sit down on so I keep on sliding so then I moved into business branding because I saw that it was a big gap in the market to work out how to do um, look look the personality of a brand and do it from very much from from the in out and from a 
what I would call like a new paradigm of, of doing branding. So I um, sort of set, set up my stall there and I realized no one was talking about it because I couldn't find anywhere on the internet. So what I was just doing was just writing blog after blog after blog. And then I would get up and talk about it and use without me realizing at the time, I would talk about business branding and colors, the psychology of business branding, you know, apply color psychology, you know, all these kind of words. And then what I saw was happening, which was quite nice, was that people were then searching for these, for what I was talking about, but they were only finding me because I was the only one who was talking about it. So I'd virtually created my own market that way. So I got some really good traction through the business branding and then through, because of my corporate business background, I was able to work with a lot of brands and a lot of color campaigns. And really it was the media that um, picked up on what I was doing because they always want a new story and a new angle. And so when, they, when they're there searching, they're saying, oh yes, you do color psychology, that's a new angle, can we interview you? So I was getting interviewed a lot by the media um, and that really helped me build, build traction. But it was an absolute, it was so slow and thank God I'd saved up a lot of money from my IT days because, you know, really in the first few years it's make or break and, um, and I lived like a pauper. I was so careful because I knew this was the only thing I wanted to do. I just thought, how do I get this out here? So, um, you know, in the last, probably only in the last year or so, people are cottoning on to colour psychology. And so when they go to look for someone, they can see my long, you know, they can see my history that, you know, I've been talking about it since, you know, over 10 years now. So I've got, I've got a good, I've got a good place and a good position. And that's, and that's really how Penguin uh, contacted me in 2000 and what are we, 2017 and said, everywhere we look, you're the one that's talking about it. We think you're the right person to write this book. So and I was just like, oh, hallelujah, someone's, you know, someone's noticed. <laughs> so um, I don't call myself an entrepreneur because I think that's more people who have lots and lots of businesses. I'm pretty much steadfast on this one thing that so many people said to me, there's nothing in that. Uh, don't do it. Don't be the first person in, in, a, in, a, in a market space. Like so many people said to me, do not be the first person because that means that there's no market. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be the first person because I want to lead the charge. You know, I want, and now so many people are joining me and I'm, and I just love that. So I, I'm so glad that there was lots of um, standard advice that you get given. And I'm really glad I ignored it all because I followed this gut feeling that I had that I went, no, if I don't do this, there's nothing. Not to sound dramatic, like why am I even alive? Like why why do I eat? Why am I even here if I cannot do the one thing that absolutely drives me? So that's how that all happened. <laughs> Amazing! Wow. I, yeah. I, I mean, there, there, there's so many sort of thoughts kind of reeling in, but you know, I I think it's such a powerful message. Just forgetting the color psychology for a second, mm. but to find that thing, that single-minded passion and drive and just to go after after it and and as you said you know it took a long time to educate the marketplace but actually now because you've been doing it for that long you're the leading authority so mm -hmm. um yeah you know from from a kind of risk management point of view it might not be the best thing to be in a marketplace 
as as of, you know one. <laughs> yeah it, you know exactly but actually over a period of time and, and you see this a lot on social media where it's the first few people that jump onto a new social media channel that five mm. years down the line if you look at some of the biggest youtubers in the world they were on the platform when there was you know a couple of hundred big youtubers and of course, you know, when you're in that kind of marketplace, you then become leading authorities. And so yeah. now it's much harder to break into that. So anyway, I mean, I think just amazing to hear that story and, and you finding your, your passion and determination. Um, and I think, per, you know, me personally, but I've always been really drawn to colour. And I think um, I looked at colour broadly across um across the years in many different ways but i think just you know your amazing book um has given me so many more answers than um i didn't even realize i had questions for yes so, that's a lot of people saying they yeah. don't they didn't know that they didn't know yeah absolutely and and isn't that true you know most things in life so yeah. yeah so i mean i think i'd love you to talk just briefly about the book because i think there's just so much information in there um but i think that it it's the book is a really good introduction into the world of color, mm. both from somebody who's you know involved in it from the branding and marketing aspect, but also lots of other people. You know whether it's uh, how to better decorate your home from an interior design point of view or creative. So I've bought the book already for a few different people. My mom's an artist and she's loving it, and lots of other oh, friends. So I so I think it's just such a great book for so many different people. So. I'd love yeah. to hear a little bit about how that book came together and how you decided what to put in it and, yeah, the, the process. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't tell you how much we had to leave out. Um, so when Penguin approached me to do this, they um, they said what they really wanted to do was a book, for, a book for everybody because they wanted this to go global. They wanted this – and because colour is one of these things – that everybody it's it's a universal theme you know like this music is universal sport food and you know obviously a few others but color and color is a universal theme and they wanted it to be a book for everyone not a book for designers because that's a that's a smaller niche um and because I teach um, at the moment, most of 90, 99% of my teaching is to do is, is, is with uh, design professionals. So they said, we don't want a design book. We want a book for the everyday person. So, but having said that, the biggest uptake of this book has been designers, which is the, the irony, isn't it? <laughs> um, and so what we wanted to do was just to make it um, really, or my, my thing was to make it really conversational I wanted to make this book like your 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 friend is reading it to you. Um, the thing that absolutely makes me laugh is that I get so many emails and social media comments of people taking the book to bed, <laughs> and they will sit there with their, you know, it's it's it it is the I mean the biggest readership is women, so they will sit there and they'll say they're reading snippets to their husband. Did you know this? And did you know this? And which always makes me really smile. Um, but the first part of the book is just a very short history, you know, how we perceive colour um, and how we re interact with it. And um, and uh, I'm just trying to think. Gosh, that's terrible. I'm trying to remember what's in my own book. And also very, very short history of psychology of colour. So this colour psychology has been around as long as human beings have been around. It is nothing new. 
it's just once we learnt to speak, really what's happened with colour is that colour was our primary signalling language and once we learnt a, um, a verbal language, colour became far more uh, suppressed but more, we could say, more on the in intuitive and more on the subconscious level. So this whole book is about bringing colour back to the consciousness, to know that colour is a language and to know that every single day we are making thousands and thousands of colour choices and, co and decisions based on colour and how colour is an emotional reaction and an emotional response. So that is what I'm explaining really in the first part of the book. And then the second part, or actually probably two-thirds of the book, is how you can then apply colour or be more conscious of how you can apply colour to your everyday life. Because what I found, especially here in the UK, speaking to so many homeowners and so many, even so many designers, is how many people are scared of colour and they're scared of getting it wrong. And when you think about it, colour is so intrinsic to our everyday life. How can we be scared of something that, when we're children, we've got our fingers in the paint pots and we're picking colours and we don't have these preconceived ideas. We're not worried what other people think. So I really wanted to take the worry out and to know that um, we don't need to be scared of colour. And really it was about three quarters of the way in the first draft of the book that I actually then was able to articulate what this book was about. So um, anyone out there who's thinking of writing a book, just start writing it because don't think you have to have all the answers. Because even though I knew I was writing a book on colour, the secret is that I knew it was much more than colour. I knew, I thought it just, it can't just be this. Even though that is my passion, I'm like, it can't just be that. And three quarters of the way through, I went, ah, it's about coming home. When we connect to the colours that, that we love and that are right for us and we surround ourselves and we allow our own true personality to come out from the inside out, it is in a sense we're coming home to ourselves because we can communicate who we are, how, we, how we're thinking, how we're feeling, how we want people to interact with us with the colours that we're wearing and those that we have around us. And so that's why in the very beginning in the introduction it talks about using colour, you know, it, it is a, like a way of, of, of coming coming back home. So that then to me was the premise then or, or the backbone of everything I said in the book. And and that's why I think it's the, you know, it's the perfect book for, um, for, for everyone because a big thing that I found is that if we're scared of colour, then we're scared of ourselves. If we're scared of of, we're scared of showing up authentically. We're scared of what other people will think. We're scared of being judged. And there's a statistic in the book from a company I worked with a few years ago was that 75% of people in the UK decorate their homes for other people to like it, not yeah. for themselves. So they're living in an interior that they're hoping everyone that comes in and just goes, you know, wow, isn't your place so wonderful? But, but they're the ones that have to live in it. And to me, that was such a sad, sad, you know, how do, how, do, how do we get to this? How do we get to this point where we default to others for our own identity? And really in this book, and I think this book is being so well received because, you know, obviously everything's always in the timing and that's another, you know, entrepreneurial thing, isn't it, is, is, is timing. And... I've been busting for this book to come out for 10 years. Uh, well, obviously not this particular book, but wanting to write one. And 
people just weren't ready for colour because we went through this massive grey stage. And um, every year I'm thinking, because I talk very much in the terms of waves because I'm a... I'm a beach girl and I'm thinking, is the wave going to tip? Is it going to tip? And every year I'm like going, oh, it's not tipping yet. And I would I would get insanely frustrated because I'm really, really impatient. Like I'm, I'm a perfectionist, but I'm really impatient. Um, but now it's tipping and now, it, you know, it's just, I'm glad I waited because now it, it is time. It is time for this book. And I think we're um, going through a, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the word now. Um, I'm going to say it starts with C and then it probably won't. Uh, <laughs> I always do that. I always pick a letter and then it's never that letter. Um, a, uh, there's a big, you know, there's a big, a big change that is happening. Um, and I think what we're doing now is we're, instead of letting up, defaulting to what's going on outside, the big, the big change is happening um, that we're, every, everyone's wanting more personalization. They're wanting more self-expression. They're wanting to show up authentically. Um, sorry, in my mind, I'm still thinking, what is that word? Uh, um, so yeah. And that's why I just think this book is doing really well. And even if people just turn around and think, oh, well, color's a load of rubbish, I don't mind. But if it means that they're more aware, because if someone says, I don't like this, this is ridiculous. Well, at least then they know what they do like. And it, it creates, it creates this, uh, this, this social change, which I think is really important. Amazing, yeah. I mean, I mm. think you're so right uh, about colour, and I think that I, um, I've, I've always felt a little bit weird in in that sense that I've never been scared of colour, and I've never been scared of wearing colour. Now, potentially after reading the book, not have I always worn the right colours for me? I think in in my personality, although I think that weirdly I've had a massive personality shift over the last five years in the way that I live my life and, and all kinds of other things. But I think that for me in the book, it answered a lot of those questions. Um, but but like I said, I, I was always really lucky that I was never scared of colour. And it actually really turned into a personal brand for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first time we met after I'd had a meeting with Tamsin, I was in my bright purple suit um, and, and a very bright shirt and scarf and stuff. And and for me, it was it was a really big part of me getting recognized in the business world because I just felt, I think, because my mom had always been creative. She's an artist. She was a muralist. So I'd grown up around mm. a lot of color and artistic um, creativity and so for me I wanted to wear that and I just felt that when I was in a business environment and I went in there and I was in colour and no one else was I immediately got um, recognised, remembered, people would come up to me and mm. the question I always get when I show up in a particularly bright outfit is what on earth do you do for a living and so it's a really great conversational starter so yeah, I suppose yeah. my question is around and obviously there's a lot of information in the book but what do you think about colour for personal branding as a person? Because I think, especially in, in business or in life, we all want to give off what we do. And a lot of people are talking about this in personal branding. So how, how do you feel colour can help people bring their personal brands out better? So it was really interesting that you said that your, that your mother, because uh, when you were saying that you love wearing colour, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, so you clearly are very confident with self-expression and then when you said that your mother's uh is an artist what came to mind is that because you're you saw your mother embracing color 
and she wasn't scared of it. And it never even was a topic of conversation. It was all about um, personal expression. So that's why it became very, very natural. I would, I would say yeah, that's yeah. why it was very, very natural for you because why, why wouldn't it be? Um, but a lot of people do have parents, but people older than them, because it could even be from school. It could be any kind of anyone that is significant in their life. If they say, oh, you don't like that color, or no, that's ridiculous, that's a girl's color. If we don't trust our own feelings and how our, our own um, intuition, and we default to somebody else, we will then forever, pretty much forever in a day, wait for somebody else to tell us what we should be doing. Mm. But you didn't, you didn't have that. Um, so that's why I probably feel that because of your mum, being a significant uh, influence in your life is why you don't you you you're happy to show up uh, in color. The other thing, big thing about color and color branding uh, in any way. So color, color is, and I'm talking now from a psychological point of view. Color is emotion. So we are always having an emotional reaction or an emotional response to color all of the time. And we take in color before we take in words, before we take in shapes, before we take in anything else. So when these people are seeing you, they're seeing me, whenever we see anybody, we are, and I can't remember the, the statistic, but there's a, some personal branding statistic that when we see someone with a very, very high stat that we are making a judgment by the way they look, but we're making a judgment by the way they look from from an emotional. Um, it's from a from typically from a color point of view. Um, so we're making a judgment of whether we think someone is approachable, whether we think someone's friendly, whether we think someone, uh, how, however that is, and we're judging whether we can go up to them, whether we can speak to them, whether we can even ask them a question, because if a kindergarten teacher wore black. My God, they would be formidable and they would, the children would be scared. But if a teacher in a high school, like in a, the sixth form, and they really wanted to command attention from the, from the students, but they wanted to be a one-way direct communication and they didn't want the students to talk back or ask questions, then they would wear black, which is obviously not a good colour to wear. But if they wore a dark blue, it would be, I'm in authority, I have the knowledge, but... There is, but there is a leeway here for, for you to ask me questions. Where black it is, I'm the ultimate authority and what I say goes. And that's why bouncers wear black because they, you know, you do not question a bouncer. You, it, it's, and it, it, is, it is the context. I mean, context is very important, but there are two contexts of, of, of some colors there. Can you ask me a question again? <laughs> <laughs> I go on these little rants. No, you, you absolutely have, Karen. I think oh, that for me, this is really interesting because sort of diving into those layers where I think I've always just looked at colour as a broad spectrum of being noticed and remembered. That's how mm. I've always looked at colour when I'm wearing it. But actually, I think then understanding that next deeper level of yeah changing an emotional state by the color that I'm in and I think yeah. that's a really interesting thing and yeah, I think yeah. that you know it, <clears throat> it makes me think a lot about what I'm going to wear to what events and what I'm going in so I suppose 
this is it. It's almost like deepening your understanding that mm, even mm, the clothes mm. that you're in are going to serve a particular purpose. And yeah. so if you're going into a meeting or you're, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking and you want to be approachable. So it's it's really sort of thinking about that, I suppose, which which is just a whole different level. It's it's yeah. so fascinating to think of it in that way. Yeah. And so you're wearing colours to stand out. But what you want to do, so I can wear this and it's very subtle. I will still stand out. It's not um, the brightest and the loudest. Do you remember, I think it was back in the, I'm going to get the decade wrong, whether it was the 90s, the noughties, when a whole lot of brands in the UK came out uh, using magenta pink because no other, because brands weren't using that. So a lot of brands were starting to show up because they wanted to stand out. And then there was a flood of brands using magenta pink. Now, whilst they might be standing out, they are still giving a message. But were they giving the right message for their brand? Because regardless of what you wear, so my thing is always why not wear or why not show up authentically? Because you're going to be saying something anyhow, so why not say what you want to say? Why why have a... Um, accounting firm in lime green because every other accounting firm uses um, dark blue and what does and does and is lime green giving the message of what that firm is about because are you what 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 service are you going to get you know if an accounting firm um was all orange so orange is the color in psychology of fun of playfulness of of um, um of joy now, if they had their whole branding and everything and they thought, well, we want to look different, we want to look like we're more friendly and more approachable, too much orange, the wrong orange, you can actually start looking frivolous and like, are you actually going to be paying any attention on my accounts? So use colour, but use, use, use it mindfully and use it with purpose. And I always say, like, use colour intelligently. Understand what it is that you're wanting to do. So if you are going to a, um, a meeting and it is for young entrepreneurs and they're all say, to say they're all in year, year, year six, you might want to go in something that's quite um, fun and playful because what you want to do is you want them to know that you're just like them and you want them to think, oh yeah, he's cool, like he gets us. But if you were then going to go and do a, um, you know, a meeting at or, or, or give a talk at uh, Houses of Parliament or, or, you know, you get invited to number 10, you might not want to dress that way because they might just go, well, actually, we won't take him serious. And you might want to be a bit more subdued because you want them to listen to what you're saying, not just go, that was the guy in the bright shirt, because then you your message hasn't landed. So it's there's there's one thing about being seen and there's also being heard and remembered for what you're saying and being taken and taken seriously. So, um, and then the next layer is is then wearing the right tones of those colours, because quite often what happens, and I'm probably just going a little bit further than your questions here, but while I'm on a roll, um, have you ever watched when women um, walk the red carpet for the Oscars or the Golden Globes? And quite often what ends up happening is you see the dress, you see the colour, but you don't see the woman. And that's because the colour isn't 
doesn't resonate and isn't right for them. So the colour is wearing them. So the, the dress is here and they, are, I don't know if you can see my hands, but they're here. And the because the dress is wearing them, they become virtually just the clothes horse. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want someone to notice what you're wearing so much so that they don't see you. And this is where the colour harmony comes in. This is the second part of the applied colour psychology is by wearing, you know, you can wear bright colours, you can wear subtle colours, but if they're in your personality type and they work with who you are, that means you will get this double message. You will be seen, you will be noticed. And that doesn't mean you have to be loud because not all the introverts in the world, they absolutely love this book because they've been given permission to wear muted, subtle colours and still show up who they are. Not this n nonsense of everyone has to be really bright like a kaleidoscope or like, you know, Disneyland on acid uh, just to be seen because it's not, it's not right for them. So if we show up authentically in our colours, in our design style, and we're getting this message straight away of who we are and what we stand for and why, you know, for whatever that context is, and then the words we say, what we say, how we say it, when all of that matches, that's when the person is authentic. Yeah, so um, did you do the test separate to your girlfriend? Yeah. Completely separate, okay. Yeah. Because that's quite unusual that you would, and was it exactly the same question that you had different? Correct. Yeah. So, um, do you mind if I ask how long you've been together? Um, f just over four years now. Right. Okay. Yeah. That it is very, very unusual because um, typically what happens with a couple is that they will be, they, there will be some crossover. So the fact that you're identical, you're 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 clearly two peas in a pod. Uh, it's, it's weird you say that because actually my mom painted a painting for I haven't got it in here at the moment but I have got a picture of two peas in a pod <laughs> because that that's her, her sort of nickname for us is that we are so similar um, yeah. and it makes everything very easy because there's never a question of if I buy something or she buys it we both know that we'll like it whether it be oh, clothes, wow. whether yeah. it be something for the home. So we're very lucky in that sense. That's yeah. really, and you know, if someone had you as a client, an interior designer, you would be, you would be a dream because <laughs> it would be so easy. <laughs> normally people are the opposites, which is why I've got the, the, the personality conflict kind of section in here when you find that you're, you know, who you're sharing with are opposite. So even though you've, you, you both turned out, turned out this way this is that right but your this is well, your result what's really important um is that this is a very very quick test obviously because when i do consultations they take three hours and you know i did speak to the editor going oh you know i really i i, I don't think it's a good idea to put this test in because people will just do the test and they will see that and that's what they'll go and this is what i am because there's actually three parts to this and what i am noticing um is that people aren't doing the next two or, or aren't aware of the third, second one and aren't doing the third one. And if I can use this 50-50 as the example, what this when, when you do the test, it is showing where your preferences lie, parts of your personality. Even if you got eight and two or six and four, it doesn't mean the one that you got the most in is your primary personality and I should probably explain here that 
we all have two personalities. We have a primary, we have a secondary. And our primary one, I believe, on the whole, is the one that we are born with. And our secondary, from my experience, and I'm still testing this, so it's still a theory, um, is that is is the is the nurture one. So the primary one is our nature, and the secondary is our nurture. But that's still a that's still an ongoing ongoing uh, hypothesis that I have there. Quite often we live out of our secondary. So in the book, I explained that I'm spring primary and I'm a winter secondary. But through my whole IT career, I chose, of course, I didn't didn't know this information at that time, but I, I lived as a winter person because when you manage 30 men, you can't jump in like Tigger and uh, be all playful and then expect 30 men to take you seriously. <laughs> That was my view. That it's not. It's not that. That's not the truth. But that was my view. So I live very much as a winter, as a winter person. So if I had done this test, if I was still me back then, I would have said yes. I'm absolutely winter with spring second because most of my questions would have turned up that way, or the answers. But that's because I was living out of my secondary, and we typically live out of a secondary if we have been told somewhere along our in our lives, quite often from childhood that who we are and how we're authentically living and how we're authentically being is wrong. Stop doing that. Don't do that. You're being silly. You're being this, you're being that. It sounds to me that your mother let you grow up and be who you are, but not everyone has that, uh, I don't want to say luxury because it's the wrong word, but, but that doesn't happen to everyone. Sure, sure. We know our school teachers can be telling us, stop doing that. Our peers can be telling us that the, the, the the, the kids that we're hanging out with at school, it can be, it can be an uncle, an aunt, it could be anyone that says something and then we believe it's wrong. Because when I do personal colour consultations, and a lot of the people that I do that with are with are women who are 40 and over, they typically have some sort of epiphany where they go, my God, you know, I've been told that I can't be this person because I was always told it was wrong and now I can actually be the real me. Because through the consultation, we show that they've been living flipped. So quite often in this in this uh, quiz, and one of the, the second step I want people to read is to understand that just because you've got more in one and less in the other doesn't mean that's the right way around. It actually could be flipped. The way that we then test and the way that we, we, we have a much better understanding is when we then put the colours on us. Because that's the third step, is sta sitting in, standing in front of the mirror and knowing a colour that you know that you act with, and obviously this is for women, but, you know, um, no makeup, all hair pulled back, and you put the colours here, and the ones that absolutely light you up are the ones that are right for you. I go obviously into more, more, more description, but the ones that drain you and the ones where the colour just leaves your face and all of a sudden you just look flat and drained, you know that that's not the right one. So you can start to then see because your primary personality will always be the one that is the color palette because that's the one that resonates with you and so that is the that they're the other steps in the in the um in in the book but it's these two things that people don't do so i see it all over instagram instagram stories i see it everywhere um oh i just did the test and i'm this and i'm like no do the other two things um <laughs> So I think I might need to do an Instagram TV just, just to explain to people because um, I think everyone gets really excited and then when they read the rest, they sort of skim over it because they're already so excited about the, the test. 
And people love learning about themselves. They love learning something new. And quite often people just go straight to that test as the first thing that they do. Like they don't read because this, I mean, the book is written in a way that you can dip in and out, but um, they go straight to that test and go, Oh, what am I? What am I? Um, and it's not, you know, it's not as simple as a quiz because we are complex human beings and we all have our own stuff and, if the majority of us aren't living authentically, aren't showing up authentically, then it will, it could show up in that, in that test. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. I mean, I think that um, if I had have probably done the test, I'm thinking probably five, six years ago, I probably would have been predominantly winter. Um, so it is interesting, like you said, it's taken me a long time to figure out, although I've never been scared of colour, it's still taken me a long time to figure out who I am at a deeper sort of core level. Mm -hmm. And now I know that it makes everything a lot easier. But um, yeah, I think I think that's a really prominent point that I think the colour personality test is great. And I think it's that first introduction into yeah. colour and personality. But then, as you said, it's going away and doing the rest of the test and um you know figuring yeah. out what what those what those things are so I, I suppose this sort of leads on to another question um oh, can I just add just one sure, point with sure, that sure. And when you said that if you had done this a few years ago and you would have been come out predominantly winter when you then did the color test you would have seen that you weren't winter and you would have seen that you were actually autumn and you then you would go okay so I'm showing up more as winter, but actually my primary is, is autumn. And so therefore, and then the more you know your autumn, the more you will show up as autumn because you know, you know it's safe too. But you bring out the winter side when you need to because of its personality. Yeah, Do you know sure, what I mean? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fab. Sorry. So, yeah. No, it's all right. No worries. So I think yeah. that one of the questions that after reading the book, and my girlfriend and I have both been chatting about this, um, black is everywhere um mm. every fashion house i have a lot of friends who wear all black um what do you think's going on there and why do you think so many people wear black why do you think so many fashion houses use black in so much of their collections oh there's lots of questions there so i think i'll answer the first one why uh well the last one I should say the last one first uh the reason why so many fashion houses use black so when it comes to fashion, their big thing is that they want clothes to sell. And their biggest sellers are black, navy blue, white, baby pink and baby blue. So they're the five big colors. With black, they can actually, they can also get any stock back and they can actually dye stuff black. Ah, right. okay. Right, I never thought about yeah. that. Okay, yeah. right. Also black, it is sort of one of these self-fulfilling kind of prophecies, but they, they, have every, a lot of stuff in black because black is a big seller. So when we, if we think about everything we've spoken about, if color is emotion and color is about showing up authentically and color is about expressing who we are, quite often people are scared of that. They're scared of showing up. They're scared of people judging them. So the easiest way is to hide. And black, one of the psychological properties of black is black allows us to hide. It is a shield. It's a form of protection. Now, you would have also seen the book that uh, one of the myths is that black isn't slimming. So a lot of people wear black because they're being told it's slimming. But wherever you're told it's slimming, no one ever explains why. Because 
Because it's not. What black does is it hides you. You can hide behind it. So psychologically, we have this belief, this thought that we're not being seen. And so therefore, we think we are slimmer. And for decades, you will listen to any kind of show or anywhere and people go, oh, yes, black slimming. Well, I, I challenge you to challenge those people why they say that. Because no one ever explains why. It's like, it's slimming and that's a fact and that's it. So when I ask women why they wear black and the first thing they say is, oh, because it's slimming. And so I explained to them why it's, you know, and I said, okay, so, and, and what, what else is it? Uh, because black goes with everything. Well, black doesn't <laughs> go with everything. Black goes really well with, uh, with black and it goes really well with magenta. I mean, it, obviously it's a winter color, so it goes really well with magenta and it looks, you know, it goes very well with white, but it doesn't go with everything. Then when I say, and what else is there? What, 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 why else? So, so I'm not seeing. So people normally have the conscious reasons of why they wear black. And then when I just dig a bit deeper, a bit deeper, the subconscious reasons are then usually what's going on. And it's because I don't feel good today. I don't feel good about my body. I, you know, I'm dropping the kids off. I don't want anyone to notice me. So they wear black so they're not seen by stealth, whoosh, in and out of getting the kids. So I think that's another reason. Um, it's also become a bit of a uniform, uh, especially in London, in the city. If you don't want to be seen and you don't want to stand out, which is the exact opposite of what you're doing, People wear black because they don't because they don't want people to notice them. Um, another big thing about our culture is the need to belong, the need to fit in. So our biggest needs are obviously food, shelter, clothing, you know, water, those kind of essential needs. The next after that is acceptance, a sense of belonging, and the need to be loved. So. It takes a pretty, I don't want to say strong character, either either they're very self-confident or very, or very at ease with themselves or just very comfortable with who they are or very defiant uh, for someone to wear and show up in their, in their colours. So I wear my spring colours and I get all sorts of comments, but you know what, it doesn't matter because it's not about me, it's about them and how they feel about wearing those colors for themselves. And I go, yeah, because you might not be a spring woman. So why would you even worry? If you knew what your colors were, you might not be spring. So this is never going to be a worry for you that you don't like these colors because I'm not asking you at all to show up anything like me. I'm asking you to show up like you. Everybody shows up who they are. So, you know, black has, there's, there's many sides. There are many, 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 many sides, but I think they're the, probably the most, the most common ones of, you know, wanting to hide, fear of showing up, fear of being seen, the need to belong. Everybody else is doing it. So if everyone's doing it and I'm doing it, I'll be accepted. Yeah. Okay. And I'll be acceptable. Now, these aren't conscious thoughts, right? Yeah. So no one is consciously thinking this. If anyone's listening now and go, what a load of rubbish. Yeah, because no one's consciously thinking this. But deep down, we there are these these there are these fears because if we don't know what to wear and we don't know what our right colours are, let's default to black. The same, we don't know what colours to put in our homes, we just default to white. It's the same. It's yep. this phenomenon, and that's why I'm saying we need to we need to have this paradigm shift of not 
following trends, not following fashion, not following what all the magazines say, not defaulting to what our neighbor, you know, if our neighbors have a certain type of paint, what we need to have it too, because who did they get it off? Do you know what I mean? And so by, before you know it, everyone down the same street is all using the same color paint, but no one knows why. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And I think that it's always struck me, particularly with the UK. I mean, I think like you, I've always loved traveling. I've been very lucky to travel, you know, a lot in my career. Um, and I spent a lot of time in Mexico and Mexico is a very, very bright, vibrant yes. place. I mean, I, this is where I got these glasses from. That's uh, hand, handmade in Mexico. And it, and it sort of it's just part of their personality. They're not afraid yeah. of colour. They paint their houses. They, you know, it, they're a very vibrant race, um, as are many other places in the world, India, Southeast Asia. Mm. But particularly I find in Britain, we're very safe when it comes to colour. And I think that I've really found myself, I've always have, I think, but even more so after reading the book, really analysing everything now, you know, looking at the world around me, looking at shops, looking at retailers. And it's and branding it, like all the chocolate uh, packages. And they're all like, they're yeah. all saying a message, look at me, look at me, buy me. And they're wanting you to emotionally hook in, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, I think it's, it's fascinating. So I mm. suppose... There's a bit of a question in there for me because having gone around and analysed lots of things now, um, I find it really fascinating that a lot of retailers are actually using pretty kind of boring and safe colour schemes. So kind of why do you think that is? Because unfortunately, colour psychology is still not mainstream. Something happened to colour in after... So colour was everywhere and it was very highly regarded in the arts and the science right up until... Uh, World War Two, and then when World War Two hit, obviously just destruction. And when they, when society had to rebuild, it was all about practicalities. It was about function and about form. For some, but 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 for some reason, colour and anything sensory was considered um, superfluous. Was considered um, very superficial. So this whole human design and human centred design, it's like we were at the Mercy's not the right word, but we, our lives, or the you know whoever was obviously alive at that society's uh, lives, were in the hands of a few men, who decided that that anything sensory was 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 just ornamentation and 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 decoration and and silly. And I think we we're still we're still recovering from that because architecture is very much function and form. There are some really out there architects who like colour. Why should that be? Why should and they contact me now? Why should that not be the norm? Why why are they the renegades or the the rebels? Because they believe in sensory design. Like to me, we we lost so much when it came to marketing. When it came to branding, it was um, anything sensory was all stripped back. The amount of marketers and brand branding people that I know that have told me that they'll do the logo everything will look beautiful. And 10 minutes before the client turns up, they go, oh, what colour will you use? And they'll just stick a colour on. Oh. So, but trying to get them to understand or to explain to them that really colour is so integral because the psychology needs to come at the beginning, not at the end. Because if we understand the brand from within and we understand their personality, we understand the, the, the target market, the context, 
we understand the message that they're giving and this emotional message because we buy an emotion and we justify it with logic. And if the first thing that we connect to when we're looking at a brand is color, why are we missing this subconscious message? Why? To me, it's like the, the secret sales, like I always talk about, I've talked about in my blogs about the secret sales force. If we can emotionally hook someone in with the right colors and the right combination, the right proportion of colors, the right tones, they've picked that up or they've come to the website and they're already emotionally hooked. So you've done a really big part of the job. Then the second part is the words on the packaging because I need to understand that this brand is for me. It's not about the brand, it's about me, the customer. So does this brand get me? Because I want, it's a sense of belonging again. Or when I'm looking at the website, does this brand get me? Because if, if the emotional feeling that I now have is matching the words I'm reading, I'm pretty much hooked. Because I go, yep, they get me, because it's all about me. When I ring up, it's, it's already a warm lead. So it's for the business owner and me, the potential customer, to qualify ourselves in and out. But you want your branding, you want your colors, you want all of that, even the design style. Like, so the design style clearly needs to match the message because you can't have some different type of design style. Um, and in this book, I do talk about, it's, it is, it's called The Little Book of Color, but it is color and design psychology. And when all of this, when the subconscious message and the conscious message are in alignment, then then I will go, do you know what? This brand's not for me. It's not that you've lost me. I was never your person anyhow, but I've not wasted your time because I've already moved on. But if I read, if I pick up the uh, the colors and the, and the emotional connection that I'm getting with the colors, and then I read the words and the words say something different, I'm going to believe what the colors say because that's already the emotional connection. And I'm likely to go, I don't get them. I don't get what they're trying to say. They're not right for me and I'll just move on. So you've potentially lost somebody. The same, I've had um, quite a lot of female business owners uh, contact me over the years and say, I'm attracting the wrong kind of target market. I'm not getting the people who I want. And when I look at their branding and their colors and I'm getting, the, I read what they're saying, I go, well, you, you, but this is who you're asking for. So you, it might be an alignment, but it's not actually, you, you're not realizing that this alignment that you've created isn't actually the target market you're after. So there's, there's, there's that as well. But yeah, color psychology just isn't taught, just isn't taught. So that's why I started my own design school, uh, my own color, applied color psychology design school, um, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's all online because I get people from all over the world saying to me, well, we want to learn this. And if I don't do it, there is no one else. So, um, and I, I want to get this message out there. I want more and more people to use color consciously and use it intelligently, not just throw any color on and just say, trust me, because our clients are getting more and more savvier. They're savvy. I don't know if that's a word, more and more savvy. They, they're asking, well, why did you pick that? Why did you pick that one? Why are you doing this? And back in the days, you could say, oh, just trust me, I'm the designer. No, there is so much now because of the internet uh, and the whole reason this book, it's, it's, it's going to challenge because a lot of people can become their own stylist. They can become their own interior decorator. 
I mean, this is not an interior design book. Interior designing is pulling down walls and 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 stuff. So it's very very different. But this you can be, you can decorate your own home. You can wear your own. You know, you can you can find your own design style and colors and what you want to wear. And you can also understand when you go out why you're attracted to a certain brand. And when you know a brand's trying to hoodwink you and pull the wall over your eyes. You know, you, you probably notice when all the brands or lo loads of brands were using green and wanting to look ethical and wanting to look like they were, they were called it greenwash. But when you read the marketing spiel, you just went, no, it's not. They're just sticking green on and saying they're natural because they've used the color green or we'll put pink on everything because it's for girls. Uh -uh. You know, th there's a lot of very, very cliche you know, colour schemes, like whoops, like you said, that um, that often then end up giving the colour a bad name. But it's not the colour that's wrong. It's the it's the it's the lack of understanding or the the intelligent use of colour that that ha hasn't been applied. Yeah, it's. it's Sorry, I it's, could I could go on about this forever. <laughs> so I, I just I'm just going to stop because I could just talk forever on this. No, do you know it, it's so fascinating because I think that. You know, I, I talk a lot about brand and to me, lots of people say, you know, a brand is a story. It's a promise delivered. Mm, it's all mm. of these things. But I yep. feel like the ultimate job for a brand is to move from transaction into emotional purchasing. And getting that right is so key because most businesses are in a transactional world. You know, yep. they're slightly cheaper. They're slightly closer to the customer. They've spent a little bit more on their Google ads that month whatever that reason is, and they get to the customer and they end up with a certain amount of business. But there isn't the longevity. There isn't the emotional connection. And if something happens to that brand, will people miss it? And yes, unfortunately yeah. for a lot of people, a lot of companies, that's just not the case because they haven't really thought about it. And I think obviously this is where brand is such an interesting thing. But of course, like you're saying, colour is at the very forefront before you've even walked up to the product or the packaging or, you know, you're looking at the website. That's the first thing that you're actually seeing before you even read the words. So you're absolutely right. But I think it's so fascinating that people aren't thinking or haven't been thinking about it. So well, I suppose... Or it in a very cliche way. So all blues mean this, all greens mean this. Um, and quite often what they do do... Uh, sorry, I realise I just cut you off, but just, well, I had this thought. What they do do is that they get colour in culture or colour symbolism and personal colour association mixed up or they get chakras or they get feng shui mixed up with colour psychology and they think that's what they're doing. And it's taking something off the internet and um, rehashing the same myth. And that's that. That's also uh, a big problem because I do see a lot of stuff. Oh, we've done our market research in color psychology, and I said, well, actually, no, that's feng shui. That's not that's not psychology. That's a you know an Eastern es esoteric uh, modality, which definitely, definitely, you know, has its place for those that that that. Um, subscribe to that but um it's it's not it's not psychology um and it's and it and it doesn't have the meaning that they think it, it does have so i'm hoping this book you know will further educate <laughs> <laughs> amazing and, and i suppose that if somebody now is out there thinking about the colors in their brands um 
what's some of the first things that they can do apart from buying your book obviously but what are some of the first things that they can do to start to figure out you know how to pick those colors or the colors that they have got at the moment are they working towards the market they're trying to target yeah so um i've actually got quite a few blogs on this on my um karenhuller.co.uk website so the first thing is to understand the personality of your brand so so if your brand was a person, and I don't mean you, because quite often people make their brand about themselves, and I always believe that the brand needs to be a separate a separate entity. So if you met your brand in the street and it had a personality, how would that show up? What would that look like to you? What what would you what would you be meeting? Then I look then look at the values of the brand. You know, like you're saying, your brand story. Why why are you in business? What are you to, to be in service of? I remember a lady saying, I want to start a business uh, making cupcakes. And I said, but so so what's the perf- why are you in business? I just love making cupcakes. Well, that's fine. I just love color. But that's not that's not a big enough reason for me to say I love color and I want to share color. That's not that's that's my reason. But it's not the purpose or the reason that's out there in the world. And it's not. It's not who, why I want to be in service of people, because then the next question really is what what would the world be missing, or what wouldn't what wouldn't be out there in the world if you didn't if you didn't exist? So they're they're sort of the the, 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 the the some of the fundamental questions that I always get when I do branding for people. I always get them to start off with is to look and to look at their obviously their big why. You know that um, why why. Are you even here? So then you're starting to see a sh- you're starting to see a, the personality of the brand. Now, for anyone that's thinking, oh, but I am my brand, there will be parts of you in there, but make it separate because if you make it you, you're you're on a hiding to nowhere really. Because if something happens to you or you take time off, your brand stops. You want you want it to be separate because when it's separate, when you hire staff, and I'm going a little bit off track here, but when you hire staff. You hire staff um, because you can teach skill, but you can't teach attitude. And you want the staff to have the attitude and show up like the brand shows up because there's you need to have an alignment then with your staff. So you've got your brand personality. The next thing is, and this is the, the bit that people will go, well, how am I supposed to do this? If this is when you look at what the color palette and the color, the, the color palette and the colors that give the a message on an emotional level with what you're what what you're saying because the words that you've written down that all those words will come into your copy on your website so you will use use that to write your copy uh, and and your journey and your story and everything because people do love to connect to a story um, because then they know that this person is passionate or this company is passionate that they have values they have ethics they have that they're here to be a service to us. You know, we're not just selling our screwdrivers or, you know, screws by the dozen. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. So when you know the colors, so in my blogs, you can read more about that, but this book isn't a branding book, but it's a start, it's a start. You know that you know the color palette. You know the personality, the, the the color personality. And also then you'll start to learn about the the shapes and the design style that your logo needs to be because that is all the psychology as well. And then the colors and then the proportion of colors because the proportion, even if you get the colors right, if you get the proportions wrong, you could start flipping to the adverse side of those colors and then give it a different meaning. 
and before when I was talking about the the accountant, if an accountant is, let's say, it, it is seen as traditional dark blue because that's about honesty, about trust, about knowledge, authority. Um, they're focused, and that's what you want. You really want a focused accountant. But if they want to become across as a little bit more friendly and a little bit more, we're not, we're not stiff and I don't want to use you know boring and and straight lace. So they put a tiny little bit of orange in to say, for instance, just to say, you know, we're we're not uptight and you can talk to us and we're more social. If they went and put a load of orange in, whoa, completely different message. But if they just put a tiny little bit, you think, oh, actually, they might have a little bit of a, you know, more of a human side that I know if I sat down and I and I had a chat with them that they would converse with me a lot more. I mean, that's just as an example. Please, I don't want to see 20 accountants turn up with with blue, <laughs> dark, dark blue and orange. Um, but um, that's just a very, very simple example. And then, and that way, it, it, it's 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 in alignment. It's in alignment. Amazing, incredible, mm. Karen. Well, I yeah, I mean, I think. The, the next question, I suppose, is um, how can people find you? What courses do you do? Um, blogs, all that sort of thing. Just just anything and I guess any resources that people now can go away and find out a little bit more about this subject. Yeah. So um, oh, the other thing I wanted to show you, if I may, do you know the book is coming out in uh, 12 different languages? Oh, wow. I didn't. Yeah. No, that's incredible. So, so it's already come out. It's already come out in Italian. Oh, wow. Uh, Greek. Wow. Greek. Incredible. Dutch. Wow. Dutch has come out. Amazing. And I got this one, um, Romanian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's coming out in 12 because um, being a universal language, uh, it was one of the things I, you know, my one of the things I just want to share is just dream big. Don't yeah, even worry yeah. how you're going to do it. And it's not big headed. It's nothing. It's just what's something that's bigger than me. And the thing that's bigger than me is I want this to go around the whole world. And I thought, that this was before even I got the publishing deal. So when this was in the first draft, that's when Penguin were was taking it, were taking it to the uh, book uh, fairs. Uh, so it's even going to uh, Thailand, Vietnam. It's going to uh, wow. China. Incredible. It's um it's already in India, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland. It's yeah. So it's like it is going it is going big guns and I want it yeah I just want it to be massive so I have a website for this book which is the little the little book of color um dot com oh and the other thing I wanted to mention is we don't you know from from a business point of view is that you know unless you're Dan Brown or JK Rowling's you don't make money off your book yeah, so yeah. I'm um and because there's so many people that have come to me and said oh I've got your book I love it but I want to know more and um when you're bringing out another book and what, you know, how can, how can I learn more? So what I'm doing is an online membership called the color club and that's on the little book of so that people, I can take people through the journey and help them not necessarily hold their hand, but, but be there for support and to create a really wonderful community of color lovers all over the world that we all support each other and we all can move through the book and further you know, further together because there's so much more that I wanted to put in the book that I couldn't, that I'm going to be having in the, in the color club. So that's, that's one thing. And the other, the other one is, um, karenhuller.co.uk, which is my, my consultancy website. So that's where all my business blogs are on. So if anyone just goes to that and goes to the word cloud and just types it, just looks for business branding or, or, or types that in as a tag, 
then all my business branding blogs, if people are interested in, in, in that, um, they will all come up. And then I have a, another website called color-training.com. And those color courses are all for design professionals because I really wanted to change, really change how people use color because for quite a long time it was, it's an afterthought. It was decoration. It was something pretty. It was, oh, what's your favorite color? I oh, will stick it in. Color is so much conversation. It is about behavior. So color influences behavior. And we want to influence behavior in a positive way, not an adverse way. And I'm very much about positive change and using color for positive good. And that's, again, what, what is in here. But when I teach the, the designers, this is what they come onto the course. So it's about human-centered design and it's about using color and design in a way that promotes positive behavior. And um, there's, I've got some mini courses, I've got standalone courses, I've got a six month uh, course that I have students from all over the world on. Um, and it's all about making a change. Uh, and I've had architects, um, artists, graphic designers, interior designers, textile designers, you know, as far as I'm concerned, everyone's in the color business. So that's what those courses are about. And I absolutely love, I love running them because I learn so much from what the, the questions that the students have as well. And because they're from different countries, they all have, it, they're similar issues, but they're slightly different because of, of, of where they are. It's uh, a really exciting part of my, a part of my work. Yeah. Amazing. Wow, Karen. Yeah. Uh, so much information. I feel like yes. at some point we're going to have to do another podcast to dive even deeper uh, into certain topics. But thank you so much. And um, I really hope those listening out there go and buy your book and look at your courses, because I think that this um, for anybody who's interested in, uh, as you said, sort of branding, marketing or even just for themselves. I think this mm. opens up a whole new door of understanding colour in our lives a bit better. And and as yep. you said, you know, allowing our personality to flourish and our companies to flourish and reach the right audience. So I yes, think that exactly. it's applicable to everyone. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for oh, coming on and, and having a chat to me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> no worries at all.